Hey there, and uh, welcome back to the World Hopper's Guide to the Cosmere. I'm your host, Arian, and uh, as promised a few weeks ago, we are going to be taking a good long look this week at one of the most interesting and kind of weird aspects of Roshar, the strange little creatures known as Spren. As a fundamental element of nature, Spren quickly go from a quirky bit of world building at the very beginning to key elements of the Stormlight story moving forward. So, with that said, cozy up by your flame spren, grab onto your logic spren, and wish me some luck spren as we jump into it. Spoiler spren through Oathbringer spren ahead. Spren. I'm sure we're all familiar with the notion of Spren as they pop up on Roshar. They often appear as little, colorful, weirdly shaped creatures that manifest around strong emotions like anger, or around natural phenomena like the wind. Uh, in the physical realm, they're just a part of Roshar and life, as natural as an axe hound or the high storms. They often take these sort of odd, weird shapes, like triangle shapes for Luxpren or shifting shapes for cryptics. But as far as defining exactly what a Spren is observationally, there is an interesting interlude that uh, sort of deals with this. I believe it's in The Way of Kings when uh, Jaranid and Ashir, there are Ardents who are measuring and discussing Spren that shows off a little bit of the unique situation. Flame Spren, as they see, uh, change size and shape at will, but when one is measured, they will stick to that measurement. Even when that measurement is hidden among other measurements and the recording happens somewhere in another room, they somehow know when that's happening, and, and that says some interesting stuff about the power that observation has over a spren. They can be multiple things until they're measured, at which point it kind of collapses into one reality. But anyway, that's, that's all sort of saying what a spren is as far as observation. But since this is the Cosmere, there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes on a Cosmere scale, so uh, let's talk about that, mainly through their origin, as well as the fact that they are intimately tied through the Nice Radian. So, as far as the nitty-gritty of Spren origins, what are they really? So, put in Cosmere terms, Spren are splinters of investiture on Roshar that mainly live in the cognitive realm. That is, they are little pieces of magic investiture that have broken off from a shard or from Aiden Alzium itself, and have gained sentience thanks to the power of thought. They take the form of, of concepts, honor, for example, or death, or fear, or rivers. When enough creatures on Roshar have a certain idea, that type of spren can develop. So spren have been a, a part of Roshar since before the shattering of Adenalsium. Some of them were intentional and gained sentience on their own afterwards. But uh, when the shards, honor, and cultivation eventually settled on the planet, their investiture bled into many of these types of spren. Most of the spren native to Roshar are a mix of both shards. Those that have to do with emotion tend to have more of honor, and those that are more related to phenomena have more cultivation. So most spren are closer to animals than they are to humans, but there are several kinds that have identity and sapience. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, it's important to note that we've seen beings like spren before, on the planet Cell. Seons, the glowing servants of the people in Elantris, are very similar. They, too, are uh, splinters of the Shard Devotion that have gained their own sentience and intelligence, and the same with the Skays, who are of Dominion. These are essentially beings made entirely of investiture. But uh, Spren are much more numerous than the Seons and the Skays, and act as sort of a release valve for the Shattered Shards now that Honor is dead. Seons and Skays don't have the same numbers that Spren do, and therefore don't have nearly the same effect of that sort of release on Cell, so the buildup of untamed magical power is still very much present in the form of the door. 
Moving away from the Cosmere-wide nature of Spren, we can talk about them within the context of the Cognitive Realm, where they normally reside. On Roshar, the Cognitive Realm is known as Shadesmar, a location where the sea is land and land is a sea of beads, each with their own cognitive identity. Spren here have entire societies and ecosystems, and we get to learn a little bit about that through the Shadesmar sequence in Oathbringer. We learn that Honor Spren and High Spren have entire cities that they rule, while the Light Spren are often guides and traders who sail the seas. Captain Eco and his Reachers are a crew that Adolin, Kaladin, and Shallan sail with. We get to see Mist Spren that work for the Honor Spren ships, and the Mandras that fly around and pull those ships through the sea. In the city of Celebrant, Celebrant? Celebrant, we see even more how civilized Spren appear to be. Complete with their dock registrars and their merchants selling paintings and their homes, Celebron is a hum of Spren activity, and it's also where we learn that Spren don't really reproduce in the same way that humans do, which is kind of obvious. Uh, but given that they're little pieces of magic and thought, that's not entirely surprising. But the important thing is, they do reflect humanity, or they reflect the physical realm, rather, in ways that uh, might not be expected for these magical creatures that we slowly get to know about. There are people, and cities, and there are animals, and sort of the wilderness in the cognitive realm. It is, apparently, very much like the physical realm in a lot of different ways. But uh, let's actually move on to the physical realm, because that is where a lot of these stories take place. Because Spren are creatures of the cognitive realm, they do have only varying levels of ability to exist in the physical. Some Spren, like Wind Spren, spend most of their time in the physical realm, while other Spren tend to only manifest parts. For example, Anticipation Spren appear as streamers in the physical realm, usually around somebody who is, well, waiting for something. But in the Cognitive Realm, <laughs> we learn that these streamers are actually their flapping tongues, while the actual Spren has a weird, creepy, bulbous body that kind of is, uh, odd to think about. So, only a piece of them appears to be actually appearing in the physical realm for whatever reason. This, of course, isn't always the case. Like I just said, uh, the Wind Spren have most of themselves in the physical for whatever reason. However, the interactions with the physical realm go beyond just that sort of manifestation. The normal life cycle of many Spren on Roshar does involve bonding with gemstones, typically gem hearts of creatures like the Great Shells and the Singers. When they enter the gem heart, the Spren becomes captive to an extent, although as Brandon says, it's usually just part of the natural life cycle, so it's more of a symbiotic relationship. Regardless, this typically grants the change of form or some kind of additional power to the creature. Great Shells bond Lux Spren, which helps prevent them from being crushed under their own massive weight. Uh, the Spren also bond Singers, with different Spren conferring a different form. This is, as far as we know, how it normally works on Roshar, not including, sort of, the human interactions, which we'll get to. This is, as far as we know, sort of how Roshar naturally evolved this symbiotic relationship between Spren and Gemhearts. Humans, though, have done what humans do, and turned this concept to their own advantage. Fabrials are a mechanical technology that rely on trapping Spren within specific types and colors of gemstones to create a variety of effects. Flame Spren are trapped in a ruby and give off heat, while others can remove pain, and span reads can pair these movements of, of writing over long distances. We don't know whether this hurts the Spren in a way that's different from Gemhars, though it seems a little shifty. Teravangian certainly thinks it is, but it's hard to say because we don't know if those Spren necessarily have sort of the, 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 well, we don't know if, if the Spren that are trapped in Fabrials necessarily have the same sort of intelligence as humans, so they might be closer to pack animals, we're not totally sure. 
Uh, beyond bonding with gems, though, Spren have been co-evolving with other creatures to form a bond as well. The Nahel Bond, the bond with humans, is one example that we're going to come back to in a lot greater detail in a little bit, but uh, we also see bonding with other non-native species, greatly enhancing strength and intelligence, specifically in the Rashadium. Their unknown Spren gives them their incredible properties of sort of intelligence and strength and the ability to choose their rider and just a loyalty unlike any other and suggests that there are longer-term evolutionary concepts at play here. What does it mean for the future? Well, we might see some intelligent birds and hogs in the future, given a few thousand years more. We don't really know. But now that we've sort of given an overview, let's turn our attention to these specific types of spren. Overall, these, as I said, break down into the intelligent and the more animalistic, much like creatures in the physical realm. Some lower-level spren, as we've mentioned, might be uh, for emotions. There are for emotions. There are anger spren, gloom spren, fear spren, hunger spren, joy spren, pain spren, and more. Uh, for phenomena, there's life spren, logic spren, luck spren, gravity spren, flame spren, wind spren, and a whole lot more. Let me just yeah, it's a lot. So uh, there's a whole kind of copper mine page about it if you want to read about them. At higher levels, we begin to see that spren have intelligence and civilization, and these are also the ones that tend to bond with radiance. In Shadesmar, we've seen the Honor Spren and the Light Spren Sailors. We know that High Spren have a sort of tyrannical rule over cities. And through Lift's Cultivation Spren, Windle, we see that there are even some governmental bodies that organize their orders of Spren. Running down the list of Radiance, we get the Honor Spren for the Windrunners, High Spren for the Skybreakers, Ash Spren for the Dustbringers, Cultivation Spren for Edge Dancers, Cryptics for Lightweavers, Ink Spren for Else Callers, Light Spren for Will Shapers, three Unique Spren for the Bondsmiths, and two Unknown Types of Spren for the Truth Watchers and the Stone Wards. These Spren often have their own rivalries, pettiness, and dislikes of their own. Kaladin's Honor Spren, Sill, shows an intense mistrust and dislike of patterns, Shallan's Cryptic. High Spren are seen as more uptight and tyrannical than Honor Spren, too, and that seems to be just a general opinion. In fact, because these Spren are so tied together with humanity, let's take a look at exactly what they do and what they stand for with their bonds. So the Nahel Bond is the term for the sort of connection formed between humans and their respective Spren. Often, when the human has undergone some kind of traumas, their spirit web is cracked, which we believe makes it easier for these Spren to kind of get inside and form this bond. The bond allows the spren to maintain their memory and personality in the physical realm, which they would otherwise not be able to do. We see that with Syl, as she gains and loses uh, her own personality the more she bonds with Kaladin. Gender is sometimes a concept for spren and sometimes not, but when it is, they tend to have a habit of choosing humans of the other gender. Syl and Kaladin, for example, or Pattern and Shallan, Windle and Lift, Ivory and Yasna, but this isn't a hard and fast rule or anything so much as just a statistic. There's plenty of exceptions with Lopin and Rua, Malata and Spark, Renarin and Gliss, Dalinar and the Stormfather, and Venli and Timber all sort of demonstrate this. Getting back to the Nahel Bond, though, we obviously know that the progression occurs by the humans speaking their respective oaths. Protection for Windrunners, Unity for Bondsmiths, Personal Truths for Lightweavers, and so on. The first oath is, of course, the Immortal Words. Life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination, but the rest all differ. By speaking these oaths, the bond between the Radiant and the Spren strengthens. By speaking the third oath, the Spren can condense their investiture enough to become a shard blade or another weapon. By the fourth oath, we believe that provides the Radiant with shard plate, which we'll discuss, and the fifth oath makes one a full Radiant. 
Now, talking about Radiance, there is no way to get around some more good old-fashioned Roshar in history, so for maybe the third time on the show, let's hit the rewind button and go back to the Oath Pact once more. So, winding it back. Spren exists on Roshar. Adenalsium shatters. Eventually, honor and cultivation settle on the planet, and their investiture bleeds into the Spren. Humans arrive, Odium follows. Humans eventually populate the entire world and side with honor, while Odium becomes god of the Singers, somehow trapped on the planet Braze. Desolations begin as Odium creates the Fused, ravaging humanity until the Heralds create the Oath Pact, and Honor grants them the Honor Blades, pieces of his own investiture condensed into metal, which grants the power of Surge Binding. The Heralds go to Braze and are tortured to eventually break, restarting a desolation. As these cycles continue, though, Spren begin to get involved, and that's where it's interesting. See, in an imitation of what Honor did with the Honor Blades, Spren find that they themselves can bond with humans and become Shard Blades, granting them the power of Surge Binding. This leads to the first Knights Radiant on Roshar. And, under the guidance of Honor and the Heralds, the Radiance added another layer of defense for humanity during the Desolations, able to stay on the planet and help maintain society while the Heralds were on Braze. Then, uh, obviously, we get to the interesting stuff. About 4,500 years before the current timeline, we have Aharietiam, where nine of the ten heralds leave Tan to bear the burden of the entire Oath Pact. This works, sort of, allowing civilization to develop for something like 2,000 more years. However, at some point during this time, Odium and someone else manage to kill Honor, or at the very least, mortally wound him. About 2,000 years before the current timeline, Honor is dying and going mad, and the current generation of Radiance discovers the truth about humanity, that they were the true Voidbringers. Around this time, Honor is raving mad and likely unable to help them through this truth, and the Day of Recreance occurs. Nine Orders of Radiance, excluding the Skybreakers, renounce their oaths and throw their Shardblades and Plate away. This kills their spren, creating the permanent Shardblades and Shardplate that later become passed around kingdoms. These Shardblades can only be swords, requiring a gemstone to bond with a person, and can only be summoned in ten heartbeats. The Day of Recreance basically made most Spren swear off everything to do with humanity, which leads to the modern day as we understand it. So, many of the Spren completely distrust humanity, and they sort of create their own civilizations. We see the tension with the Stormfather, who doesn't want any of his Honor Spren children to be bonding people. We see all sorts of sort of mistrust and hatred. The best example being um, the Ash Spren of Malata, who apparently just wants to see the Radiants all die after their betrayal. Because the Day of Recreance was basically the, the only giant betrayal, as far as anyone knows, that's the end of those Spren. Dead Eyes are dead for good. It should be noted, though, that the ultimate question of the first half of Stormlight really is what happened to the Knights Radiant, and that's a question that's still got a lot of room to be explored in Stormlights 4 and 5. There's probably a lot more going on with the Recreants than what we know so far, but we'll take what we know for now and, and deal with it. So obviously, then, we know that the Shardblades are dead Spren. Dead Eyes, as they're known in Shadesmar. When the Nahel Bond allows a Spren intelligence in the physical realm, it also leaves them open to being killed, effectively permanently. Dead Eyes have their eyes scratched out in Shadesmar and are essentially zombies, and when a Radiant touches a dead Shardblade, they hear the Dead Eyes scream. One Light Spren, Iko, keeps his grandfather Dead Eye locked up in order to keep him from wandering off. And the most famous example of a Dead Eye, of course, is Aelin Colon's Shardblade, Mylarin. Having spent much of his life talking to his sword and treating it kindly, 
Adolin is surprised to actually meet her lifeless form when he enters Shadesmar. From there, as they travel, we see him bond more and more with her, until the climax of Oathbringer, when he manages to summon her in seven heartbeats instead of ten. Where that leads us, then, is the question of what it means for a Spren to be dead. Evidently, the idea of death is a little different inherently, because dead eyes can still walk around mindlessly. But we've seen another Spren on the verge of death, too, to sort of get a picture of what it means. When Kaladin accepts Moash's plot to kill King Elhokar in Words of Radiance, his bond with Syl begins to wane as he loses perspective on the Oaths. She begins to lose her intelligence, becoming more and more playful and careless like a windspren. This comes to a head when he falls into a chasm in the middle of the book, and reflexively takes in as much stormlight as possible. This overloads the weakened bond with Syl and effectively kills her, or nearly does so. We're not totally sure to what extent she's dead, but he loses his surge binding and she disappears. It's only at the end of the book, when he begins to realize his mistake and eventually swear the second oath, that Syl returns to him, raging against the Stormfather. And we learn that despite the Stormfather's complete distrust of humanity, he must accept the words of Radiance. Ah, uh, I, I, I see what he did there. Let's, you know, let's distract us from that awfulness and, and take us to the Stormfather. What is a Stormfather? Well, that's a good question. He is the Spren of the High Storms and one of the three Spren to which Bondsmiths bond. Wow. But there's, uh, there's definitely something funky going on there, from his ability to give people visions and from his knowledge of honor. Let's break that down. There can only be a maximum of three bondsmiths at any time, because they bond a special spren. I think of the shards themselves. The Stormfather for honor, the Night Watcher for cultivation, and an unknown sibling who apparently powers Erythru but is sleeping right now and we don't know that much about it. But the Stormfather is now more than just a spren. Because when Honor was dying, he decided to infuse the Stormfather with some of his own powers and memories, granting him a greater level of sentience and the ability to give men visions that Honor had programmed. The Stormfather then became something of a hybrid, and is now the father of Honor Spren. We're not entirely sure what this means going forward, but that unique sort of combination led to Dalinar Colon's ability to unite the three realms. As Dalinar says, Honor's remnants, the Stormfather's soul, and Dalinar's will. Speaking of that moment when Dalinar unites the realms, we see him attract a column of glorious spren to surround him as that happens, letting him glow with an almost divine power. Glory spren seem to be closely related to the bondsmiths, somehow. Just as wind spren are attracted to windrunners, life spren to edge dancers, creation spren to lightweavers, and logic spren to else callers. It's been theorized that these lesser spren, these ones that aren't so intelligent, actually make up the shard plate, though we're not entirely sold on that idea yet. It would follow the pattern of shard plates, uh, sort of explain why shard plate can regrow with stormlight. And there's a moment at the end of Oathbringer where Yasna Colon is apparently surrounded by some small, strange shapes, which we've theorized to possibly be her live plate. But we haven't seen anyone on screen actually swear the fourth ideal yet, so that remains to be seen. Beyond all of these spren, then we can mention a couple of unusual ones. We've made just a few brief mentions of the Night Watcher, who apparently has the ability to grant boons and curses as she sees fit, and the sibling, about whom we basically know nothing. Beyond them, there's also the lower level of unique spren. Kusakesh is the giant one in Kasator Bay, who apparently appears at the same time each day. Uh, Axis the Collector makes a special note of him. 
Spren like those apparently exist, but we don't know any purpose for him beyond that. The Oathgate Guards, similarly, are a unique type of slightly more powerful than Radiant Spren, but less powerful than the Stormfather level. But again, we don't really know what created them. But yeah, so I know I might have mentioned that we should do Void Spren and stuff, the Spren of Odium, but this is getting super long, and uh, I figure it's probably easier to split that part up into a second episode. So, with that, I think we've kind of covered most of what I've wanted to say about normal Spren. Uh, I didn't talk a whole lot about the sort of specific relationships that we've seen with characters so far, which I think is fine, you know. You've read the books, you know how that works. I'm just the encyclopedia, man. So, with that, I think we're just going to leave it uh, for this week. So, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, if you like what you heard, go ahead and let all your Cosmere friends know about this show, or perhaps leave a review on iTunes and subscribe and whatever works. If you have any ideas for future episodes, feel free to shoot me an email at worldhoppersguide at gmail.com, or leave a comment in the Reddit posts I make. But... Yes, thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro music, thanks to the Coppermind for the uh, information, and thanks to you for listening, so I'll be back with a Void Sprint episode next week.